This week on the EV Resource Podcast, more details on Ford's EV partnership with Rivian, a leaked patent filing showing an all-electric Ferrari, Tesla's Q4 earnings report, and more. Welcome to the very first episode of the EV Resource Podcast, where we share with you the latest EV news, information, and answer your questions about electric vehicles. My name is Zach Hurst. Thank you so much for being with me today. Before we get started with the news, I do want to thank Titan Auto and Tire in Mosley, Virginia, for their support for this podcast, as well as for all of their hard work keeping my vehicle in tip-top shape. In this week's EV news, we'll start with a report from Alyssa Priddle at Motor Trend sharing some more details about Ford's plans to capitalize on their partnership with Rivian. Ford is planning on using the underpinnings or skateboard architecture from Rivian's upcoming R1S and R1T vehicles, and they're planning on building their own vehicle body on top of that. Rivian's CEO would not say when Ford's production began, but design and engineering are apparently, as he puts it, locked and ready to roll, saying it's a very different product from their SUV, but it's still in the SUV space. And while Rivian is going after the adventure market, Ford will pursue the luxury buyers. Chances are this means that it's going to more likely be in Lincoln, uh, under Lincoln brand. And while the CEO would not confirm this, uh, as it's Ford's announcement to make, he did say that the Ford SUV is an impressive product, to say the least. Next, according to Joe Boras of Clean Technica, the push for Ferrari to finally go electric was no doubt accelerated by the recent success of the Porsche Taycan and, of course, Tesla with their Model S and the new Raven powertrain that they're putting out. Uh, the patent filings are actually showing that Ferrari could use as many as four electric motors, uh, one on each wheel, which would definitely make it a very, very fast car. Chances are that it most likely will be planning an electric GT with a traditional long hood and short deck design. Uh, something along the lines of an electrified Ferrari 812 Superfast, maybe. Honda recently gave permission to all the media outlets to get into revealing the Honda E, apparently, because everybody came out with it all at once. Um, the reviews are in, though, and, and it seems to be a very well-received car. Looking at an article from Andre Nadelia, and I might be butchering that, from Inside EVs, the Honda E is aiming to offer the closest automotive interpretation of an iPhone on wheels. I like that analogy. I think it really gets the point close to home where he's the technology of the vehicle is really what it's about. Those that tested the car did say that the range isn't really impressive by current standards. Honda claims that the E will do 137 miles on a single charge. It's 35.5 kilowatt hour battery pack. However, um, apparently some of the reviews show that that range can drop quite dramatically if the car is driven in lower temperatures, which of course, it happened during the press event. With the battery fully charged, the car's range meter only showed that it had about 75 miles or 120 kilometers. That did seem to be the only negative point about the car, though, and given that its main rival, the Mini SE, has a maximum claimed range of 144 miles, it's really not that bad. One of my favorite articles from this week was actually posted by Charged EVs, uh, Electric Vehicle Magazine, about the drop in 
pricing for EV batteries, uh, where they're saying if you drove an EV back in 2010, you would be likely to have paid, for the, at least for the battery, an average of about $1,100 per kilowatt hour. And now at the end of 2019, that's fallen 87% to closer to $156 per kilowatt hour. Basically, a lot of this has to do with an increase in energy density, so the technology of the batteries themselves, but also just the overall quantity of batteries being made now. These days, compared to 10 years ago, there's so many more EVs on the road, especially with the demand that Tesla's put on supply for battery cell production and everything that's going on in China. The biggest cost of an EV really is the battery. So as prices drop in the coming years, more and more and more people are going to buy them because the economic argument against them just won't be there anymore. One of the biggest factors that people tell me anyway of why they haven't bought an EV yet is because they think that they're so expensive. When you get to a point where you're comparing an electric vehicle to one powered by an internal combustion engine and the actual price of the vehicle is the same, yet with an electric vehicle, you have very little cost of fueling and next to no maintenance costs associated with it. The argument against an EV will be very difficult to make. And honestly, I think that'll help push forward the adoption of electric vehicles. And on to probably the most exciting story in the EV world this week, uh, Tesla's quarterly results, their financial results are in from Q4 of 2019. And uh, I don't know if you've been watching their stock price, but um, I don't know where it started the week, but it's ended the week now up over $600 per share, which is just phenomenal. I mean, a huge jump. Uh, apparently, Wall Street likes these numbers just as much as I do. So their main financials from the Q4 report, and I'm actually looking at inside EVs. Uh, Eric Loveday put this out. Their main financial details, they reported $7.384 billion in revenue and a profit of $2.14 per share. So I think, once again, that's just a big slap in the face of all the uh, short sellers or naysayers out there that say Tesla can't be profitable. Well, they can and they are. They've shown, actually, I believe it was 2018 in Q3 and Q4, they were profitable. And now, once again, in 2019, really shattering expectations for what's possible for them. They were expected to report a non-GAAP profit per share of $1.62 and a revenue of just slightly over $7 billion. So they really beat that out. Um, ultimately, I think what that says is that Tesla's really proving that it can be done. They've been around for over a decade now and many people over and over and over have said Tesla's gonna fail they're gonna go bankrupt well they haven't and the chance of that happening is slim to none so if you haven't already seen the detailed numbers for that I would uh, suggest going to Inside EVs and checking that out it's really fantastic what uh, Tesla has been able to do year after year and I'm looking forward to seeing what else they can do with uh, the EV space, proving once and again that it is possible to profitably build at scale electric vehicles. So part of what I wanted to do with this podcast is really be interactive, include all of you in what uh, we share with all of you. Uh, I want to include stories from real EV owners to show 
what life is like with an EV or the experience of buying or owning an EV really from your, in your words, not mine. Now I say that, uh, of course, this week I'm going to share with you my own story. So this will be my words. So I last May purchased a Chevy Spark EV. And if you've seen some of the other YouTube videos I have, uh, I've talked about that vehicle a little bit. It was what I thought at the time the perfect vehicle for what we were doing. We purchased it to replace my wife's car, actually, and be used for uh, food delivery with Uber Eats or Grubhub. We assumed, however, that the electric vehicle charging network with the fast chargers in town would be working. Uh, we learned very quickly after purchasing the car that most of the chargers in town either didn't work with our car or were in a state of disrepair and didn't work at all. However, I think I lucked out because I kind of stole the car from her. <laughs> uh, so I've been using it since May. My Honda Civic that I had, I stopped driving entirely, even though uh, it got fairly good gas mileage. I can't imagine not driving an electric vehicle at this point. It's the immediate torque and power on demand instant reaction is performance that even my wife's GTI can't match. It's absolutely fantastic. And honestly, the economic argument for it was unbeatable. It was used, it was a 2016, uh, so I believe it would probably have just come off lease from somewhere in California. I actually never really looked into it. The car payment is less than what we were spending on gas a month. So yeah, it was an $11,000 car, but really you could say that we got it for free because we're saving money every month that we're driving that and not driving a gasoline car. The range in any electric vehicle is something that's important to keep in mind when you're buying it. You probably should buy a car that has twice the range at least of what you drive daily. Um, this is not it for, for what we're doing. The car's range is only rated at about 82 miles. However, I will typically drive more than 100 miles a day and just recharge in the middle of the day when I need to. I've found that as long as you have the ability to charge, range isn't important. You know, most people harp on range as being one of the things that they're like, oh, you know, when, when there's a 400 mile or 500 mile EV, then I'll get one. You don't need that. Most people drive 39 miles a day on average, you know, commuting to work and maybe running around town for some shopping. But range is really important when you want to actually travel long distances and the charging infrastructure isn't there. So for us, one of the best things that I could have done before buying the car was actually look into the charging infrastructure around town and not assume that just because the charger's there, it's going to be working. So that's kind of a summary of what I actually had written for my own EV owner story. I'm going to share an EV owner story from one of you every week when we have this podcast. So if you haven't already and you want to submit a story, feel free. You can go to our website, which is ev-resource.com slash ev-owner-stories, and you can submit a story, and I'd love to put it on the website as well as share it here on the podcast. And lastly, I did ask for a couple of you to submit some questions that I could answer on the podcast this week. However, <laughs> the questions that were asked are not ones that I really 
know the answers to. I'll, I'll put them out there, and then maybe if some of you have more information than I do, you can let me know, and then I can share that next week. Chris Weber with the Chevy Spark EV Owners Facebook group actually asked, when will Kia and Hyundai sell their EVs in all 50 states, and when will the U.S. Kona EV get a heat pump? Uh, Chris, that is a really hard question for me to answer because I don't have connections at Kia and Hyundai to be able to answer that. And they have not released any information, at least from what I could find, that gives us a clue on that. It's important to uh, recognize that EV adoption in the United States has a lot of pushback. It has not been an easy road for the manufacturers to go down um, when they want to. I will preface that because a lot of the manufacturers right now are focused on releasing their EVs in Europe because that is where the policy is driving EV adoption. So I think if I were to presume an answer to that question, we will see EVs being sold in all 50 states when the policymakers in all 50 states are putting the incentives out there to encourage people to buy EVs when the public has a greater understanding of how great EVs are and we get past the the part of, of thinking about EV ownership where people have so many questions and there's just too much that they don't know. So education is a big thing. Once people realize the benefits of EVs, the numerous benefits of EVs, I think the manufacturers will follow in line with that to offer more electric vehicles and offer them in more places. Javier has asked how long until aftermarket companies start offering custom standalone inverters or ESCs. This is going to be where any market, whether it's an internal combustion engine vehicle or with electric vehicles, you're going to have a tuner market or people, uh, myself included, that want to modify their car, make it better, make it faster, uh, change the software. The hard part of this is that many manufacturers don't want you messing with their cars. I know for myself with the Chevy Spark EV, it's the actual software in the car is nearly impossible to crack. In fact, I don't know if anybody has been able to do it yet. So until we can have almost standalone units where we can just use the motor, inverter, battery pack, and, and the hardware that's in the car and have a, basically a standalone computer for it, uh, I don't think we're going to see much of that. Unfortunately, with EVs, at least in the United States, being only 1% or 2% of vehicles sold, the number of people that actually want to modify their cars that they get from a manufacturer versus just building their own EV is very, very slim. For the aftermarket companies to see value in creating these products, they need to have a larger market of people to sell it to. My recommendation there would be to encourage everybody to go out and buy an electric vehicle and everybody that you know that wants to modify a car, whether it's electric or not, tell them to buy an electric vehicle and start creating the market demand or something like that. That's all we have for you this week. Thank you very much for watching. If you are interested in more EV information, the latest news, owner stories, and even uh, resources for electric vehicle owners, you can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and of course our webpage, ev-resource.com. 
very new addition to the website is our directory of service providers. Right now we're starting in a small service area, but if you have your favorite repair shop, body shop, paint shop, insurance person, somebody that uh, you trust with your EV, please let us know so that we can ask if they want to be included on our directory as well. If you liked this video, please hit the subscribe button so that you'll get updated as soon as we upload the next one next week, same time, same place. See you then.